This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga. Thank you for joining me this morning. I'm Kate Bendel, the host of this show. And this show is for you if you have had in the past or are currently having troubles with alcohol. And I say that in quite a broad way because this show aims to be quite broad in who it's addressing. I'm not coming with information about a particular method of recovery being better or worse than than the next. I'm coming from a background of alcohol addiction myself, starting way back when I was a teenager, and have used various methods to find recovery, some more helpful than others. But the main thing that I found helped me is yoga. So this show is about how yoga can be helpful either as a standalone way of dealing with alcohol issues or perhaps more commonly it's used alongside some other form of support or help. So when we talk about having troubles with alcohol, again, I think people are a little more aware these days that we're not talking about ending up sitting on a park bench with a paper bag. Unfortunately, a few people still do end up in that situation. But by far the more common scenario is ordinary people, the likes of you and me, who on the surface appear to have a fully functioning life We have jobs, families, houses, cars, all that stuff. And yet behind closed doors, there is an issue with alcohol. And it would seem that this current climate of the pandemic has somewhat sped this up for some people. So I'm hoping that if you're someone who is worried about your own drinking or worried about somebody else's that you might find something helpful on today's show or you might later want to go to my website to look up how I work one-on-one with people. So the website is Kate Endel, all in one word, K-A-T-E-B-E-N-D-A-L-L.org. Because I know for some people getting help is a major obstacle. Partly there's um, a lot of shame and embarrassment around having issues with alcohol and there's a sense of not wanting anybody else to know. So unfortunately, many people wait far too long before reaching out for help. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is one of the ways, one of the models that yoga has that is quite a helpful lens to look at addiction through because sometimes when we can understand something it gives us more room to move around and work with it and 
That's one of the things, the most freeing things I found from using yoga as my primary tool for recovery. It helped me look at my own behavior in a different way, sort of outside of the 12-step model or outside of the medical disease-based model, none of which really deeply made sense to me. It was always kind of, well, that's not actually it, despite Yeah, despite me wanting to fit into that box so I could find the solution, I just didn't. So maybe you you will find what I have to say this morning kind of spark something in you that you can relate to. So what yoga says is yoga doesn't have a tiny sort of box solution just for addiction. It's far better than that, actually. Yoga addresses... It's a philosophy, just we'll make that clear. If you've been listening to the show before, you'll understand already. I'm not just talking about yoga as in doing the postures that we often in the West now relate to yoga. Yes, they are a part of yoga and I'm including that, but I'm talking far more broadly about yoga as a philosophy. So yoga as a philosophy, in essence, is based on how to get us out of suffering. So if you're not suffering, you don't need to do yoga. Because probably most people on some level are suffering with something. And yoga will also say yoga is for some people and it's not for everybody. So what yoga, the yoga school says is that how we perceive the world is how the world is. So we don't actually perceive the world as it is. We perceive the world how we are. So I'll say that again because it's it's really crucial to understanding why yoga works with the mind. So we don't, and when I say we, we're talking about ordinary people, the likes of you and me. Maybe if you're a, a particularly special yogi and you've been doing it for a long, 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 long time, maybe you've reached and cleared your mind and this isn't applying to you. But I'm talking about us, just the ordinary folks out here. So we don't perceive the world as it is. We perceive it how we are. And when you think of that, it's like we all know maybe you're one of them or you know someone who's just negative. They will often find fault. They'll find criticism. There's there's always something wrong, whether it's something wrong with them or somebody else or the world or Jacinda Ardern or something. That There's always something to complain about. So yoga would say that it's not because the world is like that. It's because their state of mind is clouded by negativity and there's also people who see just see generally have a positive outlook they can see something good in most situations I'm not talking about toxic positivity here I'm just talking about someone who on the whole generally speaking finds good things in other people good things in life and good things in general And that's not because the world is any different than the the negative person. It's because their state of mind is different. Or another way of understanding this is the idea of glasses. We've all heard of, you know, rose-tinted glasses. So we 
see things through a particular lens. That's how the mind works. It's a tool of perception. But it's clouded for most of us until we learn to clear it. That's what the process of yoga is actually about. So if you have pink glasses on, say like right now you were wearing a pair of pink glasses, you didn't actually know you were wearing them. They were there from conditioning and just growing up in the world. Everything you see, everything you think, every perception you have is going to have a pink tinge to it. Whereas, say, you had blue glasses on that you didn't even know you had on. Everything you see is going to have a blue tinge to it. And you don't even realize because you've never seen anything any different. So yoga says this is the starting place for most of us. We have almost like a psychological affliction. And the goal of yoga is to clear that so that we can actually see reality for what it is and until we undergo some kind of mind training which yoga is reality is distorted so in relation to addiction it's sometimes very obvious that our reality is distorted and we know we're not seeing it straight we're not seeing it like it is and so in some ways yoga and addiction go very well together because the fundamental idea of yoga is that we need to start working with the mind we don't necessarily go straight to working with uh, what we would see as a negative habit by drinking too much yoga wouldn't necessarily say you need to cut down on your drinking Yoga, one of the ways yoga would say is like, let's start looking at what's going on in the mind and then we can understand things better. So yoga has this thing called the kleshas and these kleshas are the, the five ways, the five distortions of the mind that everybody has. Most of us don't even know we have them. So I'm going to explain all five, and a couple of them are particularly pertinent to addiction or alcohol misuse, and then I will go on and sort of offer the solution. So it's not all doom and gloom. Yoga doesn't say, look, your mind's clouded and that's too bad. It says how it's clouded, you know, what that actually looks like, and then gives the solution. So the first creature is called avidya, and it is the root cause of all the other ones it's like you can almost see that as a field and everything else grows out of it very broadly what that means is ignorance we're not seeing things actually how they are and the how we're seeing things they say um, that most of us are mistaking what is impermanent for being permanent we're mistaking something that is impure as being pure we're mistaking pain for pleasure and we are mistaking what is not the self to be the real self and so globally speaking the overall goal of yoga one of them is to actually reduce avidya if you can manage to get eradicate avidya or ignorance this veil you don't have to deal with the other kleshas it's pretty tricky, though. It's not something that you're going to achieve overnight. 
So let's go on and look at the other closures. The next one is asmita. And literally translated, that means egoism. It's this misunderstanding that I'm separate. We get this misunderstanding that I am separate from you and that I am isolated and not connected. And I, we associate ourselves with the mind and the body and feel bound by this limited experience. And that is a false perception, according to yoga. So the next one is particularly relevant when it comes to alcohol dependence. It's called raga. And what raga is, it's attachment. And it stems from an experience of happiness. Now, excessive attachment is based on the assumption that the experience will contribute to everlasting happiness. So raga always arises from past experience. So somewhere in the past, there's been a moment that you have perhaps experienced happiness or completeness or joy momentarily, and it was associated with a particular people, place or thing. So in our context, it was associated with alcohol. We had a, a, a drink or a drinking episode that felt so good. And this is true of most people I speak to and work with and true of myself, that early on in our drinking career, that's probably not a very good word to use, early on in our drinking history, Drinking really worked for us, whether it was because we were suffering from anxiety or shyness or social awkwardness or depression or suppressed emotion or suppressed trauma or whatever it was that we had in particular. Initially, early on, alcohol seemed to be the magic cure. We felt great. It alleviated our symptoms. So unfortunately, what that does is when it gives us this mistaken idea of raga that if we go back and do it again, we're going to get the same really good experience. And many people who end up in trouble with alcohol know this. It's like, actually, it's not really working for me anymore, but I still keep going back. There's some something in me that's deluding myself that it's going to be as good as it was the first time and this is probably this isn't just with alcohol it's with any addiction and and what's happening is we've got really attached to what it is we think is going to make us happy or feel free or yeah often it's that we feel free of pain emotional pain and so in yoga that's raga and it's a biggie in the world of addiction. So the fourth one is called Vaicha. Oh, so what I would say about Raga, it's almost like it's a pull. It's pulling you towards it. And so this next one, Vaicha, it's like a push. It's the opposite of Raga. It's an unreasonable dislike. It's like a total aversion. Um, again, which is usually the result of a past experience. Something's happened and we had a painful or negative experience. And from that moment on, um, we push away anything that looks or tastes or smells 
that it might be even anything like that experience we had in the past. It's like we're trying to avoid pain. So both of those things are like opposites and both of them is the, like they're on the extreme ends of a continuum, which means we're not in the centre, we're not in balance. And then the, the final one, this is a bini nature, and this is this is a tricky one. This is fear. One of the aspects of it is like actually just this fundamental fear of death, which human beings kind of have hardwired in them. We all have it. Um, and what it can bring up this fear is um, like this really primal survival instinct that this idea of me first, like I at all costs, I have to survive. And there's not a lot you can do about that. Actually, yoga would say a binibasha is one of those ones that deep fear actually has a wee bit of a kind of energy of its own and it's quite complicated to work with. But what you can work with is this kind of lesser abnivata, which is things like the fear of loneliness, fear of rejection, fear of hurt. And what these fears are doing is they make us insecure. And when we're insecure, what do we do? We grab, we grasp, we seek security through people, through places, through things. And people do this through alcohol. Um, it's like it's a way of trying to feel safe when you feel insecure. Um, and yeah, so a binivasha, this fear, it can, it can definitely be tied into addiction and lead us to addiction. So that's all the problems. That's basically saying that, that's, even though you may not know it, that is kind of what's going on in your mind, which is, can sound a bit grim. However, yoga says that there is a way to work with this. So when all these things are happening, all these places, it forces us into kind of subconscious reactive behaviour. We're not seeing things clearly and we're not able to respond with clarity. We're actually just kind of going along almost in the subhuman kind of reactive way. So the first thing yoga says is learn to calm the mind. Like when the pond is agitated, you can't see what's at the bottom of the pond. And it's the same thing when the, with the mind. When the mind is agitated, you can't actually see what's at the bottom of it. You can't see the patterns of your own mind. So that is why yoga offers so, so many tools for calming the mind. One of them is the asana, the, those postures. They are kind of the very first step in a, in a process, a very thorough, systematic process of calming the mind. And then yoga says what we can do with these kleshas is when we practice the appropriate yoga, it's almost like you can see the kleshas as if they were little seeds and they're seeds that are in your mind and you're actually never going to eradicate them. The idea isn't kind of blow them out of your mind but that you want to make them dormant and so how they suggest primarily is this process called Kriya Yoga and what Kriya Yoga is it's a process and it's seen almost you could see if you practice Kriya Yoga you could say it's almost like a vaccine to stop the 
feed the clashes sprouting, but it's also, you can use it also as an antidote if they actually do sprout and it just reduces them. So basically Kriya Yoga is not the Kriya Yoga you may have heard of, um, Yogi Bhajan, people with the white um, things on their heads. It's not that. It's, it's a process. And the goal of it is to declutter your mind. And there's three steps to it. And this this is where you can start addressing your alcohol issues. You don't have to necessarily go to a yoga class. You don't necessarily have to do physical yoga. You can start working on the philosophical side. And this is very practical. And you can do it at any stage, whether you're just drinking a bit too much or if you're really in the thick of it. So this is a three-step process that I want you to understand so that you can adopt it um, so the first thing in kriya yoga is tapa and what tapa means it means effort so that effort can be anything it's like other than just doing exactly what you're doing now so any effort it can be an effort just to observe yourself it can be an effort to make a change it can be an effort to do less of something or more of something, but just some kind of effort. And the second part is Svadhyaya, and that is introspection or self-analysis. It means starting to look inside, starting to understand yourself. So if you've got some kind of addictive pattern going on, there is no magic cure. No one's going to sort it out for you. It's like the crucial part is that you're going to have to start to understand yourself, which is a part of this Kriya Yoga. You take some effort, you do something, and then you learn to observe yourself and learn from yourself. And then the final step is called Ishvara, which is pretty beautiful. That means basically you've got to learn the bits that you're not in control of, that you hand it over to the universe. So some of the stuff is available one-on-one. Like I do work with people one-on-one with this philosophy stuff, but it's also just to get you an idea and an interest in how could yoga perhaps be useful to me. So if this has inspired you, I urge you, you can Google the clashes. It's spelled, um, I'm bad at spelling these words, that's, K-L-E-S-H-A-S and as I mentioned before I have a website Kate Bendel K-A-T-E-B-E-N-D-A-L-L dot org my contact details are on there and equally if you want to go back and re-listen to this you can listen to this on the ORFM website under the podcast it'll come up So I hope that's been useful or even just piqued your interest and know that there's many ways to deal with drinking too much and it's it's worth exploring some of them until you find the combination or the one that gives you the movement and the momentum and support that you need to make changes that you're going to feel good about. So thank you for listening, spending time with me this morning. And as always, if there's something you want me to cover, just use that website. You can contact me there, and I'm very happy to talk about um, anything that in particular you're interested. Thank you.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.